Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chan. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month we are discussing Decision to Leave, which came out earlier this year, and Vertigo, which came out in 1958. The connection being they're both detective stories from high places. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Dong. There we go. All right, William, give us an introduction to Decision to Leave. Alrighty. Um, pretty straightforward, I would say. Uh, Decision to Leave, the latest from the maestro Park Chan-wook, uh, features a detective living in Busan who becomes entangled with the widow of a murder victim he is investigating. Nice. You've never been so concise. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. But enough about decision to leave. Exactly. <laughs> Jeremy, tell us about Vertigo. Vertigo is directed by the great Alfred Hitchcock uh, in glowing vi- Vista Vision colour, I believe. Mm. It's set in San Francisco and it follows a detective called Scotty who has, is it agrophobia? Acrophobia. Acra, with a C. Acro. Because yeah. agro is of, of open spaces with people, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, crowds. So acrophobia, he's a fear of heights, which he discovers through a, a, an opening sequence chasing through, uh, chasing al- along the rooftops of San Francisco that it triggers vertigo, the um, kind of swirling state of <laughs> confusion from, from being on, a, on, a, on tall heights. Um, he has a old school chum get in touch with him with concerns that his wife is uh, a danger to herself, that she's being possessed by... A, an ancestor and that he would like him to follow her and see what happens the film kind of goes through a range of twists and turns and it's a very strange film to describe i think it goes places that is not clear from the start um but ultimately all comes to an end and i guess we'll get into that in our discussion today mm-hmm. please be warned that we'll be spoiling both films and it's fair to say that both films do have some great little spoilers in there mm-hmm. so if you haven't seen either movie, I suggest pausing this episode and coming back to it at a future date. All right, who would like to start us off? Well, I'm going to start a little bit controversial. Uh, the uncontroversial part is, personally, I thought Decision to Leave was as stunning as everybody said that it was, and we can talk a little bit about that. But the controversial part is, I thought Vertigo was terrible. Oh, and Sarah, this is one of the top ten films of all time. It's actually being judged the greatest film of all time. Wait, what? Some yeah. lists. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Sight and Sound, the magazine of the British Film Institute, for whom I worked briefly in 2006 and 2007... Um, Sight and Sound does a top um, a, a, a top films list every 10 years on the 02, 22, 52, 72, etc. And you're absolutely right. For 50 years, Vertigo was number one. No, I lie. For 50 years, I'm sorry, Citizen, Citizen Kane, Kane was yes. number one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in 2012, Vertigo, which had been creeping up the list because mm-hmm. I was um, looking at the list last night, made it into the top spot. For me... It's not even in my top 100 films of all time. Like, honestly. Um, And I'm not trying to be arbitrarily controversial. I understand that quite often, and this was definitely the case for me with Citizen Kane, I was able to say, well, I can see why this film was groundbreaking at the time uh, and and why in some aspects of it it's still an incredible piece of cinema. But I'm afraid there isn't really anything much, apart from the trombone shot, 
which I think was in was that innovated in the dolly vertigo? zoom. Yeah. yeah, that clever sort yeah. of dolly zoom down the the the, mm-hmm. the stairwell, and which whatnot. they did on the they did with the miniature with the camera on its side. Yeah. Right, yeah. brilliant. And yeah. so apart from that, I just don't know what all the fuss is about. You, it was your first time watching. Yeah. Was it your first time watching this year? Well, I. I my husband says that we watched it a few years ago, but I don't think so. And maybe I had an amnesiac uh, experience, rather <laughs> like um, ah, rather character. like poor old yeah. uh, Madeline, because I was like, nah. I've seen that running up and down the stairs thing, because yeah. I think, you know, there are certain clips from films yeah. like Rosebud at the yeah. end of Citizen Kane that you see, you know. But no, I don't remember having seen it properly. So it was your first time as well, William? It was well, my first William? time, yeah. Wow. I watched it all for my mum. Call ourselves cinephiles, <laughs> eh? Oops. Oh, well, we won't tell anybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, somewhat agree with you, Sarah. This is also with you, Jeremy, in that it is a weird movie. Mm. Uh, I like where it ends up, which is somewhere that you do not see coming from the very start of the film. Like, you as the audience are taken on a journey. Mm. But where the film puts its full stop is so odd and oddly, I guess, unsubstantial? Mm -mm -mm. Insubstantial? Mm. Uh, It just... uh, My mum and I, we were like, wait, that's it? Mm. Wait, wait, what? Um, there's some things I, I really want to discuss with you guys in terms of the characters and how the characterizations change, which I think is, is very, very worthy of like top film honors. I, I think the characterization and the acting in some parts is awesome. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, the overall arc of the plot, uh, has some nooks and crannies, which seem odd, just very, very odd. Yeah. I love it for its oddness. So I, I don't necessarily disagree with the criticisms because it's a film that, for me, shouldn't work. And I guess by serious judgment, it doesn't. But I, I there's so many things in this that that stick with me and I always am I'm so excited to rewatch them. So that dream sequence that he has in the middle of the movie is so strange and creepy. When and, he's in the mental asylum. Yeah. When he's in the hospital. And he's got the shot of Carlotta... Um, uh, is it Valdez? Yes. Or, you know, he's got the shot of her in between him and the judge, or him between him and his yeah. friend at the at the judging ceremony. Because that that that's when he figures it out, right? That, that that's what my interpretation was. Like uh, he he starts to understand that there was a second person up in the bell tower. Oh, uh, right. Maybe maybe subconsciously because mm-hmm. the penny doesn't drop until he literally the sees the necklace on yeah. her chest. But it's just this animated. Willy Wonka and the yes. Chocolate Factory. Oh, it gave me strong Willy Wonka vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that shot of um, uh, Jimmy Stewart's face, That's like right. illuminated by the Technicolor. But presumably, that Vertigo was the the prototype for that, right? And right. what we are what we're referencing is things we've seen subsequently mm-hmm. that that evoke Vertigo. Yeah, which is the weird thing about watching a 1958 classic yeah. decades after you've already actually grown up with all of the thing, all of the derivations, if you will. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay. I think the score is just phenomenal. Like whenever I think of that film and I just think of those some of those music beats, I'm just transported instantly to the strange world of of, of what they're trying to paint, the mm, picture mm, they're trying mm. to paint. Um, you know, I've just been to San Francisco for the first time, yeah, so neat, coming to neat. it this time. I mean, I felt yeah. I you know biked across the Golden Gate Bridge and went out to Yosemite, and yeah. like the, the, this is a love letter to the Bay Area. Yes, there's so many exterior shots. Like yes. half the movie is Jimmy Stewart driving around town. Yeah, yes, and it still yes. feels like that. Like right. that city but feels no, like. No, William, that. that's back projection. <laughs> so wait, don't what? be fooled. It looks so realistic. I know. <laughs> but it was just that part was really interesting. So I, I mean, I really love this movie. Some Similar to Blade Runner, when I first watched Blade Runner, I didn't click with it. Uh, but there's something about it that just has got into me. 
Interesting, interestingly, you know, he's saying it's groundbreaking for its time. It wasn't a critical or commercial success. success. Uh, I think Psycho, which we'd make two years later, was yeah. its much his much bigger film. But do you know I didn't like Psycho much either. The first time I saw it, I don't mean to be like I think I've I think I have freely admitted before, guys. I am not great for watching a film and figuring stuff out. Right? I don't pride myself on being super smart in that regard. But spoilers coming. Too bad, because if you haven't seen Psycho by now, too bad. Very early on, I was like, "Wait a second, that sounds like like he's putting a voice on and and you know and and, and um, pretending to be his mum." And then sure, I'm like, like <laughs> "So, but anyway, sorry." But yeah, just it's interesting, and I I think I, I yeah, there's something about this movie. The weirdness always kind of fascinates me. Mm. Um, and what I was really struck with this time is trying to figure out why it gets its hooks into me beyond just the aesthetic and the the soundscape and i think the i was trying to figure out what it was what it was exploring in terms of um, the a man's vision of a woman like he has the madeline character is this make-believe character yeah. mm-hmm. and then he's got this really amazing best friend midge yes who is clearly like she's just a phenomenal person yes. and but she's down to earth and she's yes intelligent she's educated she's self-sufficient mm-hmm. and he's completely um unaware of yeah. this opportunity and then when he when um uh what's her name judy no yes is yeah. it judy when yes. she comes into the picture she's sort of a little bit nervous she's again she's very a real person she's more midge than madeline exactly. until he recreates and then her. he recreates her and even when she's madeline she's i mean it's brilliant performance by um uh what's her name kim, kim novak. novak kim novak because she's got this like almost Adam's family Morticia air about her when she's Madeline. So she gets to play these two quite different characters. And even when she's all done up with the blonde hair, she's still, she's still Judy. She's not Madeline. My husband, Doug, who we had on this podcast and who, who uh, manages to, his opinions sneak in every now and then. He's seen the film about five times. And he said to me that his big problem with the film is the fact that Jimmy Stewart doesn't go for Midge. Because, and Doug says, I'm team Midge. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, you've got this wonderful woman right here. And I would, I would ex- expand on that, Jeremy. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm not hyper-feminist, actually. I'm not hyper-feminist by nature, and I'm not inclined to get hyper-feminist about a film that is sort of almost pre-feminist in its, in its, con- in its um, conceit and its ideas. But I'm not interested in... I, I'm, I wasn't compelled by the love affair between the married woman with amnesia or whatever she proposes or pretends to have and the the cop or the detective who's really actually just supposed to be doing a job professionally but falls Mm -hmm. in love with her anyway. I wasn't compelled by their love. I didn't believe in their conversation that suddenly they were there for one another and, oh, um, Scotty, I can't live with, you know, blah, blah. And then I really don't like and I appreciate this is how it has to be, the fact that he meets this brunette and goes, I want to craft you into being this this blonde, this this typical Hitchcockian blonde ice queen type woman. That's not feminism. Uh, that's the point though, isn't yeah. it? That's the point yes. of the movie. Is and, that and but I don't like watching it. But, but, <laughs> uh, I don't think you're supposed, I don't think anyone's supposed to like watching it, Oh, right? good. Yeah. Because um, Jimmy Stewart, I think my favourite thing about the movie watching it is the, start, the, the realisation that, oh, the, the guy, the protagonist we've been following throughout an hour of the movie is actually a horrible dude. Right. Yeah. And he's the villain of the piece. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, everything he does, the... I, I, I keep thinking, how would this have been received back in 1958? Like, mm. would people be okay with him saying, no, th- she doesn't want this dress. She wants that suit, the one in the grey. Yeah, like, they would have. It, it feels... 
horrific. But yeah. they would have. Yeah. But I think the men are the villains because there's also the the, oh, the, the husband, the husband, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it made me because I, 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 because didn't the husband throw his actual wife off? Yeah, the after breaking her neck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like this, you know, Hitchcock is. There's a lot of dubious stories about Hitchcock and his misogyny or yeah. his whatever. But then also his wife was there, right? His wife was there. We know that she was an integral part in directing Psycho, right? And I, I just wonder what is what is this film trying to uh, explore around gender and right. um, power? It, and... It, it seems almost autobiographical in places where he's trying to model. The, these disparate women into his ideal yes. you know, blonde ice, ice queen. Right, yeah. because all his protagonists, um, well, not all, yeah. are they, but certainly um, Hooslam whatnot in, uh, well, Tippi Hedren in The Birds, Hedren, yeah. but also Hooslam whatnot, Janet Lee, there you yeah. go, in Psycho and whatnot. So there is a, there is a, there is a Hitchcockian and, and I archetype, think isn't just there? casting Jimmy Stewart, who is, you know, the nicest guy in America, mm. to be this like obsessive monster is just a stroke of genius. Mm. Oh right, yeah, right. Yeah. Like contextually, I, yes, yeah. That's I, right. I know Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, right? and in that movie, there's certain scenes where a darkness peeks through and it's awesome and terrifying. Mm. When he starts getting drunk and lashing mm. out at mm. his wife and his kids. Uh, but from the most most of the runtime of It's a Wonderful Life, you know, he's just this sad, lovable teddy bear of a man. Mm. Yeah, and in this. He's dead-eyed through the entire thing. Mm, mm. And at the beginning, you're like, okay, it's because of the vertigo. It's because he he has a medical issue that he needs to deal with. Um, And then by the end of the movie, that's definitely not it, right? Mm. His his acrophobia, his vertigo is cured. Yeah. Mm. Um, But it's it's his obsession over over this, this, well, in his head, this idealized version of the woman in his head mm. uh, that drives the plot and that leads to hor- like horrific events happening. I think the film would be not feminist if the Midge character wasn't there. And but that is interesting to me. such a significant part That's of the right. film. Like, okay, why is she here? But and she's quite obviously a good catch yes, as well. Yeah. 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 And she's she's just one of the, I think one of the best characters. Oh, she's such a great character. She's so mm. likable. Yeah. She helps him. She's got a sense of humor. She's she's there. She gets what he's doing, and she even sees his pitfalls before himself. She, well, there's that wonderful scene where she drives past his house yes, and she yeah. says, "What are you up to, Johnny?" Johnny yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> like just, just uh, you know. And I, her last time we see her is is her, her leaving the the asylum institution. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and kind yeah. of really upset and and not really sure what to do next. Uh, but that's that's her character arc completed. She has to leave the situation because it's just. She too, can't help. Too hurtful. Yeah. Too hurtful, well, The yeah. scene that you've just mentioned where she's outside the his flat and she sees Kim Novak leaving, um, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, maybe so this is probably going to get quite good because Midge is probably going to throw that woman off the, the tower or the balcony mm. and then she can have Jimmy Stewart. And I was quite disappointed <laughs> that, that none, nothing like that happened. Oh, M- M- Midge, what, what have you done? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you know, did you know, and you probably did. Anyway, you probably know that um, as much as you say, William, that it's almost maybe autobiographical, well, not autobiographical, but somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's based on a, a French novel. Mm-hmm. It's not Entre les Morts. It's something between deaths or mm-hmm. something like that. So technically not his story. However, Hitchcock uh, decided in order, so, and I love this, um, Hitchcock decided in order to create suspense, which we know he's really good at, rather than the shock of something happening later, mm-hmm. he built in that scene. You remember that scene where um, brunette Judy almost looks down the lens at us and then remembers 
um, oh, her part right. in the the scheme, the running up the tower, the pushing the woman over the edge, etc. And we all go, oh, that's what happened. Well, so that doesn't normally happen in the story. It's a reveal at the end. I do actually like that Hitchcock gives us that because then yes there is suspense while we're waiting for the pennies to drop for Jimmy Stewart mm -hmm. the interesting thing of course is that's the one moment in the film if I'm right where we're getting a, someone else's perspective yeah because we yeah. don't actually get anyone other than Jimmy's perspective which is the whole point right yeah. because if it's a mystery we need to be as in the dark as he is we, so get, we get some of Midge. We do get some of Midge, like that scene outside the house, but it's still focused on him. Right? Yes, and it's not so much her internal uh, th thoughts, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, We're yeah. not seeing inside her mind and getting a um, getting a, a reveal mm. through. So that's a bit of an unusual choice, and I think mm. that I uh, my having spoken to Alfred about this, my understanding <laughs> is that he was a bit conflicted about some oh, of the plot elements of okay. the story himself. He doesn't completely think that it ties together and and and, uh, and quite works. But I love, I mean, I, I think some of my favourite films are a little bit messy, and so there is still space for a bit of ambiguity. Sure. Know? So I'm not wholly against great, that. Great, great. I also thought a lot this viewing about the connection around... This whole power dynamic, Jimmy Stewart becoming a monster, you know, his treatment of woman, and the concept of vertigo, and the fact that he misses, he's he's thinking about one danger, right? That she's a danger to herself because she's being possessed by the spirit. But he's missing the fact that this guy that's hired him is, is going to murder his wife. Like, there's a real danger here. Mm. And, uh, the but when you say missing it, it's because he doesn't know. No, I know, but he's he knows something's up, but he's, he's his, his direction is... His, Focus is in the wrong place. Yeah. And I think there is a mm. thematic connection here with the concept of vertigo in the sense that he's afraid of heights. And it's almost uh, irrational in some sense. Yeah. But equally, it's not because heights are dangerous. And right. we know that two people die because of, well, the first wife was dead already. But two people fall off, well, three people, if you include the, the policeman at the start, fall off at great heights. Which so, is mm. by far and away, for me, the most exciting part of the film. Right. Is, they, is their <laughs> opening, you know? And again, the music's amazing. The Bernard. Yeah, the Bernard yeah, oh, yeah. It's so good. So. <laughs> well, let's, should we pivot to our decision well, to leave? Yes, because what you just said makes um, absolutely ties in, of course, which is probably why it was your suggestion, I think, Jeremy, that we pair these films. That in Decision to Leave, you've got a detective who actually, in this instance, is pretty much a good guy. You know, he's not yeah. really cheating on his wife. He's trying in a lackluster sort of way to keep his marriage alive at weekends, and he's just committed to the job. But then he loses his focus, or rather his focus is drawn all the way to Tang Wei's character of the, the unsurprised widow. <laughs> Uh, and then widow. yes, the, and then he becomes a bit a bit blinkered, doesn't he, and a bit mm -hmm. confused about the reality of things. So yeah, how did we feel about decision to leave? I loved the decision to leave. Um, I don't think it, I'm coming from a unbiased place. Yeah. Um, Park Chan Wook, every single thing he does is basically my favorite movie of the year. Like, yeah. Um, we we talked about Handmaiden uh, mm. on on this podcast a, a while back and. I just remember, I, I went to see that with Max, um, our old co-host, Max. Oh, shout out to Max, one of our first... <laughs> Max from year yeah. one. He was, he was the, the quarter of our cohort until yeah. we, we split of to Of our thirds. podcast cohort, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. Cohort, I, I remember podcast. watching it with, with Max and, and kind of the, the revelations and feeling the energy in the room and, and just the, that catharsis was incredible. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I don't think Decision to Leave has a similar sort of catharsis 
as the handmaid. Narratively. Narratively. No, I or, agree. for example, Old Boy. Yes. Or, or uh, I mean, Stoker is a little arguable. But um, but what what it does have is just evidence that this man, this director, is is a master of yes, the craft. Absolutely. And he is taking you, the audience, along for a ride. It's not a very bloody ride or a very surprising ride, which mm, mm. to me was surprising because I expected something super bloody mm. and super like what? Yeah. Um, but it's it's almost like Pachamuk comfort food, mm. but done so well, like prepared by a Michelin star chef. Really? Oh. <laughs> You're right about the Michelin star. And now, um, so as you probably know, Director Park won mm. the Best Director Gong at Cannes for this film. And uh, and I know that I'm not alone in, in saying that as far as a film goes, as you say, William, narratively, oh yeah, that's, that's all right. Mm. But cinematically, holy mm. mackerel. I remember turning to Doug and just going... Oh, and this, you could hear this my cinema gasp at camera shots. Oh. And that never happens. I mean, I think I saw camera shots that I didn't even know could be done. Well, wait, wait, did people gasp at the shot of the rear, rear view mirror of the car door closing and Kangwei like, coming into view? It might have been. It's like, oh my God. There were various <laughs> moments where I was like, wait a second, I didn't even think you could do that. Yeah. And I don't even mean just aesthetically beautiful because to be fair to Vertigo, I, th- I, I think that with the red and the green, uh, mm-hmm. good old Vista Vision, I think that the, the art design of Vertigo is very, very beautiful. Mm. The art design of Decision to Leave is absolutely second to none. But the whole construction of it, as well as really strong performances and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, really strong performances, which I did not feel from Kim and Jimmy. Oh. Kim and Jimmy, just like in Better Call Saul. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing. Anyway, I'll have oh. to Google that. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I, anyway. I agree with you both. Visually, this film was <clears throat> incredible, and there is such a confidence with some of these auteur directors that's just, you, you're in good hands. Yeah. And I I felt the Vertigo, Vertigo connection throughout i mean the heights was one thing but mm. the detective story the obsession of him with a with the lead female character the, 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 the death the, at the, the very beginning the, the yeah mm-hmm. the, the stalking the um the the stakeouts yeah mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. the strangeness of it like mm-hmm. there was some strange story beats and there was a shift a real shift halfway through the film mm-hmm. from the, the first act to the second or the first half to the second half mm-hmm. uh and it ends with the 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 main female lead dying i do have issues with the script i wasn't enamored with the story as much as the the two of you were i think the ending was like you alluded to it with vertigo how ridiculous the the judy character's death is you know her kind of like fear of the nun and throwing herself off oh, the tower that was very well that was my, a my, shock my, wasn't it yeah no, it was. I, it's a butt device my, my mum turned oh, yeah. to me and, and was like wait that was quite a, a distance to lunge out yes, of the yeah. tower i noticed like, that because he steps out onto a ledge after yeah. doesn't he and i'm like dude you could have you know, yeah, 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 and I think equally, kind of her, uh, the, the 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 main character in Decision to Leave, digging a hole and sitting in it while the waves come in, yeah. is ridiculous. No, but... you see, I thought that was a genius thing because I, <laughs> I thought about it while she's doing it, and I thought she can't climb out of it. She's made it so that she cannot climb out. So she is literally watching herself die if you get what i mean I it mean, would have po- been different if poetically she poetically it's lovely and oh, the, yeah. the shots of him running around the waves was just oh, incredible God, yeah. yeah but it my also t- I... ties back to uh the whole raven motif when she buried the raven 
uh, with the bucket. Right. Um, and how she was always associated with the raven feathers. Oh, oh yes. I didn't pick that up. Yeah, nice. That's a nice motif. But I mean, I just turned to my friend at, at the end of that because we both were a little bit like, huh. <laughs> um, I turned to her at the end and I said, oh, you know, digging a hole and letting the waves bury you. That old classic way to go. <laughs> I thought that was genius. And also, though, the fact that then when he, by the time he gets there, she's covered up and he's yeah. running around you, you on still top see of the, the mound sand. Of the mound, yeah. Was she oh, drinking a beer? In the, was yeah, she, she was. was where, where did the beer come from? She, she had it on her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the bird, it's like the dove and Blade Runner. It's like where did the dove come from? Can I just say I, I've been dying to yeah. share this. Mm-hmm. So the music that's in that final scene when she's on the beach and she's digging is is Marla, and I know it very very well as many people do because it is the final very long scene of the Italian film Death in Venice, mm-hmm. where Dirk Bogard's uh, character who has has hitherto had an obsession with a young boy. Um, so a literally an un, what's it called an unrequited obsession uh, and he's old and he's on the beach in Venice and Dothan Venice he dies on a deck chair on the beach to this wonderful strains of Marla cool. now that music was playing as she's on the beach and I'm like oh she <laughs> death on the beach again <laughs> and so she dies on the beach and ah. I was and I've been wondering so I've been googling and not getting a lot out of it to see whether director Park was like so because to me that was a callback to before Four, when she said her husband always listened to Marla five while he was climbing and oh. he was listening to that while he died that's right and yeah. she knew and you remember in the interrogation when he says are you shocked and she says no I I, I always anticipated I'm always worrying that he will die eventually mm. so yes okay interesting I did ah. really appreciate how they played with our expectations in terms of you know, like you said, expecting something bloody. Mm-hmm. There was that whole scene with the snow on the top of the mountain. Oh. And I was like, who's going to die here? This is yeah. very... But it was just them expressing their love for each other. And I yeah. I really appreciated the film. Well, he, th- he thought he was going to die. Yeah. He thought she was going to push him. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought that was a really wonderful way to play with our expectations. And that's suspense. Very, very yeah. cleverly done. Absolutely yeah. it is. And I guess, again, links to Vertigo in that there was supposedly, whether it was well done or not, a real love between... Yeah. Judy and 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 not Jimmy Scotty, Scotty. yeah, uh, and so I think that was a it was just really carefully done, and I couldn't help but make connections to uh, the film we did recently with uh, that was referenced in everything everywhere at once, um, and I can't remember it right now with. Oh, oh, just something to love, letter to love. What oh, is oh, it? Uh, Tony Leung. Um, yes, uh, uh, in the mood for love. In the, in the mood, mood yes. for love. Mm. Yes, <laughs> just that sitting with two characters mm. and. The emotion being expressed uh, as much through the the camera work and mm. their, their facial expressions and body language the, the, as it is through dialogue. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right, Jeremy. There's a lot of allusions to to Vertigo, well, specifically, but also to stuff like In the Mood for Love. The the whole like barely touching motif mm. where she gets him to sleep by breathing into his ear and they're synchronizing their breathing and it's it's this very intimate without intimate. any. Well, it's, it's almost eroticism, but, but right. there's no contact. That's right. Um, yeah, amazing stuff. And very, very restrained for, for Mark Chapman. Yes. Because I would have expected from his previous works for sex, violence, you know, tongues being chopped off and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Live octopi being squeezed into people's mouths. And the only sex in it, interestingly, because there is something that says uh, sex scenes or something, mm-hmm. but the sex scenes are not between him and his true love. They're between mm-hmm. him and his wife when he's having those awful flashbacks mm-hmm. to the crime scenes and that sort of thing. So that also subverts our... Right. expectations doesn't it because you're right you're expecting it to them to fall into their one another's arms and it becomes some sort of torrid sort of display of 
um, passion. Yeah. And with all the, I guess, expectations, because uh, this, oh my gosh, for both Vertigo and Decisions to Leave are, you know, in their heart of hearts, film noir, right? Mm. I mean, Decisions to Leave is a neo-noir, but it, it has all the trappings of the detective, the femme fatale, the, you know, um, and then the woman walked in kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but, you know, you, you expect a lot from this genre being that there's going to be gunshots and violence and something lurid Mm -mm. Uh, but everything that comes when it does come is so restrained and controlled and I think a lot of that stuff also um, is brought about by the editing. Mm, the I editing is amazing. Those those flashes of I guess they're flash forwards or flashbacks. Yeah. But it happens throughout the film yeah. where you you see, for example, uh, what's his name, Slappy, the the gangster guy, mm, and mm. he's holding a pair of scissors to his neck, about to die at the edge of you know the, this precipice, and then it just cuts to the de- detective standing there in a pool of blood. And you see that for about half a second before it cuts back. And that's all you need to know yes, about the situation. Right. Yeah. It's incredibly yeah. efficient. And I remember thinking, my gosh, the pace of Decision to Leave mm-hmm. never lets up. And yet it doesn't feel like a Michael Bay overcut right. sort of thing at all. It just feels really economical. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. We know what's happening. We're feeling stuff. This is extraordinary. Vertigo, oh my gosh, <laughs> move it along. Oh. Two hours, eight minutes, love, love, Here's the thing with Vertigo. Uh, one of the things I was just laughing at throughout the movie was was the fact that Kim Novak just didn't know someone was tailing her for the entire thing. No, yeah, yeah. He's driving right behind and her. And she does know. But, but, she but, does but, know. but that's the thing. It is, it's yeah. explained in the twist. She knew he was there the whole He's time. Yeah. And the he was just trying to be though. sneaky. Like, he wasn't trying very hard. Yeah. He's like right behind her. I know. She parks, he drives right up to her car and parks. And in the gallery, he's yeah. like standing in the door. Can I just ask, isn't there a scene later, back to Vertigo, mm-hmm. isn't there a scene later on where he's back in the gallery and he's looking at a different blonde woman? Now, that's, is that all his sort of psychosis? I um, think he's just, I think there's a woman there, but he's just seeing her everywhere, right? Mm. He's, he's attributing this fantasy to ah, okay. lots of spaces. He's looking for her lots of spaces so that when the Judy character comes along, that is her. I see, I see. There is some, you know, are we see, is he, are we just seeing his projection of this person on, like, are right. we going to get a reveal that it's a different actor actually? And right. And we're just seeing it through his eyes. Okay. Just wanted to check on that. Cause... But, but in the, a lot of those scenes, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, that was Kim Novak, right? Yes, and, yes. and then when he like focuses, it's another actor. Yeah, which is such a cool effect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the, do you mean in the art gallery? Or, or, or in the restaurant? And uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting that you thought that because I was looking and I no, I thought it was somebody made to look like oh, her. Oh, okay, okay. But sufficiently far away that we could understand that he's that he's thinking. Wait, what is that? I, I oh. think in the restaurant it is here. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, and then the they change it. It's a very different the, person, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had not thought of the film noir aspects. I think at the start of Decision to Leave, I'd felt that, but I just forgot about it. Mm. But you're right; both films kind of follow those tropes. And yes. Again, with Vertigo, the Midge character is always you know there's always the other fe- the female character that yeah. is the better one. The, he should the, go the lady with. in white. Yeah, right. And and he goes with the femme fatale. Um, also, may I just say, in Decision to Leave, an interesting thing tonally is that in the present 
present day, plus in the three years later. Do you remember how his offsider, who is a, a male cop in one of them, and I think a female cop oh, in the other. Oh, she's wonderful. And they're both quite funny. Oh, yeah. she's But wonderful. they're not so funny that it's oafish or that it mm-hmm. undermines the, the tone of the film. So it doesn't jar. Yeah, but, but, she, she the country cop, she turns out to be really competent. Right. And so in a way, maybe that's a maybe that's a nod to Midge. Because Midge is quite funny. Midge yeah. is very oh, yeah. dry. And she's, you know, she's got the one line is, oh, well, that's a way to entice a girl, isn't yeah. it? And, you know, so I wondered. <laughs> but then again, we might be ascribing too much. Gosh, um, th- that scene where um, they suddenly pulled off the case to, to go after the case of the missing soft-shell turtles. Yeah. yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah. It's just yeah. this weird little takes tangent. Some, some, where, yeah. where his fingers like almost chewed off by a turtle oh, and of course br- the, the turtle becomes a thing like he takes it home to his wife and when she leaves him she takes the turtle as well because it's really expensive this yeah. is up to three thousand dollars yeah <laughs> there's a lot of plot points in decision to leave mm. that in the moment i was a little bit confused but i just kind of let the film take me for the ride mm, and, mm. and I, I, I appreciate that like a similar like what i said with vertigo that not everything coheres and i kind of like it for that yeah, there was when the when the change happened where there was the gangster beating up oh, the yeah. I forget her name. Um, um uh, uh, Siore. Oh, Siore. I was like, I don't quite know what's going yeah. on here. Mm. We kind of understand as it goes on, yeah. but you're like, oh, how far have we been? Where is she? Where is this? How's yeah. this going to fit into the story? I, I thought she had returned to China because uh, you see like skyscrapers in the background and everything. Um, but yeah, that that time shift was really odd because it's it's a jump cut. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then you see in the corner like what, thirteen months later or yeah. whatever. Was was it three years? No, uh, I think oh. it was a year and a okay. bit. Okay, okay, yeah, right, right. Um, also, there's a, something that stood out for me with Vertigo this time when he's following Madeline and he goes into that hotel. Yes, and she goes up to the room and then he goes and speaks to yes. the front desk person. Doesn't she's make like, sense. She's like, "Oh, she didn't come here." She yeah. so I'm like, "Was she in on it, or was that just to throw the audience?" Or no, I think even Alfred Hitchcock thinks that I, when I spoke to him, uh, even he <laughs> thought that that was a, a little bit confusing and didn't really make sense. Oh, yeah, because then her car was gone. She right. out the window. So, so, but hang on a second. So, what's going on? here is he having hallucinations i think he's just i think it's just doesn't make sense and they've just kept mm. it in the movie because it actually works in the moment right it yeah creates a sense of mystery but when you go back and look at it it's like is she uh, a ghost or wasn't but she what, well you yeah, know but is yeah. she a ghost or isn't she i mean obviously she is real but also is he you know because he winds up in a psychiatric yeah. institution so is it the beginnings of his losing his mind in a way because he's so focused and so driven and you know can we go back a little bit to jimmy stewart dopey detective because man there's several scenes where he's following madeline yeah and she you know she stops by um is that place uh, castle point by the golden gate bridge yeah and she is very obviously about to jump into the water mm. And poor Scotty is just like, what, 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 what is she doing? Yeah. What was that? And then she jumps in, oh my gosh. And it happens again when she's, she wants to climb up the steps. It's like, I have to go in alone, Scotty. Well, what the heck do you think she's going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's standing there until he yeah. realizes, oh no. Look, I don't, and I don't mean to be arbitrarily controversial about someone as like lauded as Alfred yeah. Hitchcock, but there's bits of direction there in that film that I'm not mad on at all in terms of performance and in mm-hmm. terms of credibility. And one of them, and this is a very small thing but this is my only platform to complain about it um in, right at the very beginning when he's he saved her and taken her to his flat which of course old Hooslam and whatnot does in decision to leave yeah. he takes uh, yeah, it to yeah. her thing and you know which is incredibly inappropriate it's just very inappropriate yeah, of course 
course. Yeah. And, and it's going to make her in his town off. flat and his... Oh, oh, yeah. And Vertigo. Yeah, Vertigo. Well, welcome to 1958, but Jeremy. Here's your, here's your red bathrobe. Oh, You'll be okay. She's so like, what? bad. <laughs> and then all on. she's worried about is... Where are my hair clips? It's like, lady, you've woken up naked in some stranger's bed and you don't know how you got there. I think you have more to worry about than where your hairpins are. But anyway, getting back to my big complaint. So he gives her the coffee and they're sitting on the ground on the cushions. And then just as the phone rings, she reaches for her cup and he says, I'll get you more coffee. And it's it's really clumsily directed. I would have done take two, take three, take four until they got it right. And I mean that because Mm -hmm. he puts his hand there and then there's a dreadfully long pause and it's awkward and it's poorly acted. And then they cut to... You're right. You're totally right. I'm like, dude, (laughs) were you short of time? You could have redone that scene. You're absolutely right. Thank you. <laughs> that's why I used to teach drama. Hey, but it's still considered the greatest film of all time. So wow. there you go. Critics law. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Final thoughts. Where are we at, team? Um, all right. Um, I appreciated that I finally saw Vertigo. Um, it was... It, it, it's fine. Like, I, I, I think the ending is still <laughs> I super... I love that. It's fine. Can we get you a t-shirt? <laughs> Vertigo. It's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Seven out of ten. <laughs> um, I, I I thought the ending it was pretty tense, and I, I liked you know following the plot and being taken on these twists and turns until the very very end where we just it got pretty silly. Mm. Uh, although again the build up of Jimmy Stewart, his character of Scotty becoming more and more violent and obsessed was was fascinating, and I had no idea this was what the movie was about. So really appreciate that. Um, the vistas, as you guys have been saying, are awesome, beautiful. Uh, a lot of that stuff looks like oil painting, and I, I don't know whether it's just the effect of uh, what was it called, vista vision? Yeah, vista vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suspect a lot of it is oil painting, isn't it? Because oh, it is okay. a lot of backdrop. Yeah, right. especially okay. the tower and that. Oh, and the back background of his yeah. apartment. Yeah, what yeah. about images? Oh, oh, no, but no also... that's real. That's, that's a real apartment. Wait, it's what? the real view. Yeah. No way. What? Yeah, they might have recreated it in the studio, but that's a real apartment. What? And it looks to that. That um, cigar going up the hill. Um, oh, the um, the tower. And um, wait, 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 so Midge's apartment was a film oh set. Midge's apartment. I'm talking right. about his apartment. Oh, oh yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and also there's that wonderful sequence where uh, they're in that hotel, which is a real hotel, and she mm-hmm. walks out in that green light of oh. the neon. There's lots of very strange. Which they uh, they they re- directly referenced that in Last Night in Soho, except in red. Oh, um, wow! With the the neon hotel sign. Did you notice yeah. the light getting darker as well when they're the, when they're in the bookstore? Is that sequence in the bookstore? Yes, but but then the light goes on, and I thought maybe it was to signify that evening had come. Because then the light Mm. comes, they they walk out, and the light goes on bright behind them. Oh, okay. It's just some interesting lighting choices. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. (laughs) Carry on, William. Okay. Uh, Decision to leave, I I loved it. Um, Again, it wasn't what I, it was completely not what I expected from Park Chan Wook. But I appreciated just the steady hand, the, the, the feel of. You know, a, a narrative and, and some guy who really knows how to tell stories taking a long for a ride. I, I don't think we've given enough props to the acting, though. I think mm. both leads, um, especially Tang Wei, who is... I, I, have you guys seen Lust Caution? Heck yeah. Yes, yeah. I love that film. amazing film. film. Yeah. Oh, She's the girl in there. Because that's Ang Lee. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that Which movie. is why also our expectations are subverted, because you think, oh, right. she's been in an incredibly sexy film. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Um, and she she shines in this. Mm. And I, I also love how much of the film is about uh, communication or the ability to communicate mm. in a different way, being 
Korean, her very um, uh, clipped classical Korean, yeah. and then the Mandarin to Korean translation from phone apps. Like, so much of the movie is about these two people trying to connect yeah. with this barrier in place, which I, I thought was beautiful, and yeah. I've never seen it done like this before. Yeah. Um, the ending, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you, Jimmy. It is, it is kind of silly. <laughs> when she went there with the bucket, it's like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, but I, I mean thematically it, it makes a lot of sense and you know she loves him so much that she wants to sacrifice himself uh, sacrifice herself mm. so that she'll forever be this unsolved case on his wall like yeah. there's just this this crazy poetic lyricism to the thing yeah um and of course the final shots the shots of nature as well you guys like the, those 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 completely beautiful like compositions of the mountain mm. of the waves of the rocks mm. like holy cow just mm. the juxtaposition of that and the more i guess drab mundane architecture of rural korea mm. um amazing visuals and just such a cool film going experience mm. nice i enjoyed the visuals of decision to leave I wasn't hugely enamored with it as a film experience. Um, I agree with all of the props you've given around acting and, and choices. And I really love the use of technology and the way that it... Um, there were a lot of details in the story that relied on your understanding of how these different technologies to work. Mm. And oh, I think yeah. that was... The a pedometer. The step counter. Yeah. On the old That's lady's right. Yeah. yeah. Which is the key to unlocking the whole thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, there was another plot point that I was a little bit like, huh? But then it kind of made sense. But then I have other questions as well. Like, mm. there's, there's other ways you could have done that. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to race back to watch that movie anytime soon. Uh, you know, watched it at the Rialto. And we have this running joke now, I guess, about the bugs flying around in that yeah. cinema. Oh, my gosh. What is it? So, Did you have this experience? Have this yes, experience well? yes. I, I messaged you guys straight after saying, it's, it's like Fly City over yeah. here. Oh, <laughs> um, yes, but I thought, so many meant, flies. I thought you meant the flies on the eyeballs oh, in the film. No, Sarah, this is like 40X where yeah. there were flies <laughs> in the film. Yeah. <laughs> looking around, are those spit? Oh my God, those are living animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, it was still it was still a great night at the cinema and I took my friend, one of my good friends with me and... I said, do you want to come see this movie? She had no idea what it was. And we both kind of came out a little bit, meh. Um, but hey, still beautifully made. Vertigo, I hear all your criticisms. And I, I just, I still love the movie. I find it so strange and discordant and things don't fully cohere. But the characters are wonderful. The, the dream sequence, the music, the visuals. And to come at it so freshly, it being in that city and it still feels like that. Mm. that city still feels like mm. that and going around those streets it's still like that and uh, wow. I really really appreciated that and um, I, I feel like I, I don't know what the truth is of Hitchcock's um, treatment of women in the, in the real world because there's different there's different narratives and there's different voices I don't know how much of a creep he was there seems to be quite a, an awareness of power and gender and um, sexuality and I, I just found it quite interesting and I don't like this could be a film that we find stories out later and there was people that were actually taken advantage of and abused and it might change the way I feel about it you know but right now with the information I've got I find it extremely fascinating and yeah I honestly think he's just probably he was probably just a man of his era his his status Mm. Um, I mean if you remember the way the Hollywood studios were back in the, the the heady days of the 40s 50s and so on. Um, he was a god, 
the women, of course, had very... I mean, you know how it is when you read the... Um, you know how the credits go up at the beginning of those sorts of films? And even costume designers and makeup in those days were all men, 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 yeah. men, 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 you know. Um, so I, I'm... And he's English. So I, I, I'm not... Don't get me wrong. I don't know anything other, and I'm not um, arbitrarily defending him. I'm just saying I wouldn't be at all surprised if he was just a bit of one of those old-fashioned dudes... Um, with attitudes that nowadays we go well, nah, yeah, you know, yeah. I find that. Have you seen that movie with Helen Mirren where she plays Hitchcock's wife? I think it's called Hitchcock. Oh, okay. I think I did see it. Yeah, it's a really few interesting. Years ago. Is that a uh, Toby Jones? Is yeah, Hitchcock? yeah, and he he was unwell or or he has to step out of a mm. lot of the production of Psycho. Yeah. That's the story the film tells, mm. right? And that his wife kind of took over that production and really made it happen. And what is true and what isn't true, I guess is debatable but what is clear from that movie is that she was a significant force in his creative process right that she doesn't get her due no um and so again with the whole exploration of sexuality and in female representation it makes me wonder how much of it is just on hitchcock mm. and how much he does have a, a strong female voice in them in the mix because mm. it feels far more measured than just a misogynist, anti-feminist film. Sure, sure, sure. But Yeah, there you go, yeah. that's Vertigo. I don't know if it deserves the best film of all time, but I definitely love it, and, and I'm always happy to return to it. And I watched a really high-definition remastering of it that was just beautiful. Mm. Mm. So, there you go. Sarah, what are your final thoughts? Well, we know how I feel about Vertigo, and I wouldn't see it again, and I, you know, I found it a little bit turgid in parts, um, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and... The one I keep calling it Death in Venice. It's not. What's it? Um, decision to leave. Um, I still stand by the fact that I feel as though her almost going hari. Is it harikari? Obviously, that's um, Japanese. But her like um, uh, burying herself alive to die in such an awful way. I feel mm -hmm. is is quite uh, was quite stunning at the end um, of decision to leave. Um, I love that I didn't want to see Vertigo particularly. Like William, I'm glad that I was forced to. Jeremy, thanks. Um, so most definitely that is uh, an, an important part of my um, cinema education. But also I was amazed at how many similarities there were between the two films, consciously or otherwise. And we didn't even mention the vibrant wallpaper that's in <laughs> the big red yeah. wallpaper in the restaurant Yes, um, in Vertigo. <gasps> Compared yeah. with the the amazing uh, wallpaper in, I think it's his apartment, yeah. isn't it? And his the little Busan apartment. Amazing. <laughs> also, then you mention every time you mention Busan, I think, and there wasn't a zombie in sight. <laughs> I love Train to Busan, but I'm really glad that neither of these films had zombies in them. Did I tell um, you my experience of watching Train to Busan? So I, was, I think it was last year, actually, at Christmas time, and it was on Netflix, and I was. It's because we'd banged on about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love a good zombie movie. So I put it on. Uh, I got the fam to, to gather well, around. Everybody was out. So oh. the whole family were, I think they'd all gone off to look at the Christmas lights or something. And I was like, oh, I'm too tired. Um, <laughs> I, I want to see some zombies. Too happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Let's it's, see some death. And I put it on and I was about halfway through. And then my parents came home and my dad came in. Oh, that's right. You and did. And he <laughs> was just completely enthralled and yeah. was oh. hooping and hollering and he didn't have any of the context. It was just so. It was that sequence where they're trying to get onto the. They're trying to. They get off the train and then they have to yes, get back on the yes, train. Yes, yes, brilliant. Smashing through the glass and he was jumping out of his chair and <laughs> yeah. I think he was stood up on his. You know, standing up watching the TV. So it was such a visceral, That's exciting fun. experience. So yeah, this awesome. this Busan-based movie, a little more subtle, um, <laughs> still some death. And if I remember correctly, doesn't our lead in um, 
decision to leave also have uh, acrophobia or vertigo? Uh, well, he has insomnia, right? Yes. Yeah. But also, isn't he a little bit like, oh, I feel a bit awkward being up the top or of the... Or she um... does. Oh, no, yeah, so... yeah, she, she does. She oh, does. Oh, I see. Uh, he's okay, like, carrying his partner on his back all the way up the mountain. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she, she has vertigo, which I, I feel like is a oh, well, direct, well, a direct a... reference. I feel like there was a strong... I, I, there was a lot of... It was conscious, I think, the connection. I also yeah. love how in Decision to Leave, um, the tables are flipped, right? Because instead of her being the store key, she becomes the store cur after the time jump. Mm. Uh, which I also feel was a conscious decision to kind of take the vertigo elements and flip it on its head. Yeah, nice, mm. nice. Yeah. So well done, Jeremy. That was a good call. Because yeah. it wasn't my choice for a, for a, uh, a pair-up, but mm. I think actually... Yeah, real cool pairing. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and other great places where podcasts are shared. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, which will be our wrap-up of 2022. <laughs> and until then, no mai.